This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111. Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for joining us as we come to you from Philadelphia. The idea of a single-payer health system was something touted by Bernie Sanders when he was running for the Democratic nomination for president just two years ago. It's something that he still believes in, but now it has become a political issue in the state of California as they want to try and advance the idea for the people living in that state. With more on this idea and what may be occurring in the weeks and months to come, we are joined here in studio by Rob Field, who is professor of law and professor of healthcare management and policy at Drexel. University. He is also a lecturer here at the Wharton School in the Healthcare Management Department. And joining us on the phone is uh, Andy Beinman, who is a professor of medicine in the Institute for Health Policy Studies at the University of California at San Francisco. Andy, great to have you with us on the phone today. Thank you, sir. Uh, good morning. Nice to talk to you. Good morning, Rob. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Same here. Thanks. Andy, kind of give us a lay of the landscape right now on where this idea stands in the state. Sure. So, um, you know, we had uh, some uh, legislation or a bill, I should say, that moved through uh, the Senate chamber of our legislature uh, toward the end of uh, 2017 called SB 562. And this was uh, a single payer bill put forward by the California Nurse Association as the lead sponsor. That bill then came over to the assembly side, where um, it did uh, not move forward, uh, has not moved forward yet for a vote, but uh, it did uh, stimulate a series of hearings on the assembly side uh, to discuss that possibility, Uh, and uh, there were a series of findings uh, related to it. So it has not been voted out yet through uh, both chambers of our legislature, but it is, as you say, a hot topic uh, here in the state, as uh, we're having a gubernatorial race, we'll have a new governor uh, elected this November, and uh, some of the uh, leading candidates, most particularly uh, Gavin Newsom, who is the leading candidate so far in the polling, has uh, put his uh, political uh, capital behind saying that this is something that uh, he'd like to see in the state. Uh, obviously, when you bring a bill forward, there is a movement and a belief by you know, X number of people that this would be a good thing for for the state in this case. Uh, Where are you on that? Is this something that can be an effective option in the state of California? Well, that's a a good question. And, uh, you know, your your comment brings up a couple of things. One is, you know, how widespread is there uh, among the the populace for uh, this idea? You know, uh, California has explored this issue before. Uh, In uh, previous uh, administrations, there have been attempts uh, both through our proposition process as well as uh, through bills that have moved forward, the the most recently being that uh, when Governor Schwarzenegger was our governor, uh, a single-payer bill actually did move through both chambers, and he ultimately uh, vetoed that in, in the 1990s. Um, if you if you poll people about this, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm. More than a majority of the of the state residents seem to favor it. Although, when they're given more information about how it might impact taxes uh, and uh, disrupt the way that they currently get care, 
then you start to see that uh, polling uh, often drops uh, below uh, 50 percent. So it, it matters a lot how you ask the, the question. Right. Having said that, I think what we have going on here in California is, uh, you know, you've, you've probably seen and read that California – uh, has a lot of concerns about some of the uh, policies coming out of Washington D.C. Yeah. and I think that uh, you know this in part is a uh, the interest in single payer is partly stimulated by uh, trying to move even further away from some of the kinds of policies of taking down uh, the ACA and other ways that we've really built upon uh, federal law to tremendously improve coverage uh, in California. We're now at over 93 percent of our population covered, which is an enormous uh, improvement from prior to the ACA. Where are you on single-payer, Rob? Well, single-payer is wonderful in concept, but it's single-payer is not a single idea. Uh, There are many, many different proposals. The California legislation is one. It's particularly ambitious. It talks about incorporating Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, uh, employer-sponsored insurance all into one package, uh, which would be difficult legally. There'd be federal permissions required, and particularly for Medicare, that would be difficult. And to put everyone into one bucket would be tough. And it talks about eliminating private insurance companies almost entirely. there are other single-payer plans. For instance, the Medicare program incorporates a lot of private insurance, and it gives you an opt-out to get a private plan. Uh, Canada is turned to as an example of single-payer. That really isn't. It's done separately by each province. Uh, so yeah. I think in, in concept, single-payer makes sense. The devil is in the details. Uh, I think it could be made to work. I think the California bill is too ambitious. But as you've said with me before, we're in a situation where we have had – the healthcare system that we have had for so many years yeah. to make this shift on a national level would be an incredible challenge because of all the different components. Right. It would obviously, as California is one of our biggest states, still be a massive change for the state of California as well. Oh, absolutely. You're talking about almost 40 million people. You're talking about the world's fifth largest economy. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about some of the major uh, medical schools and academic medical centers in the country and a major immigrant population. Uh, this, again, goes to why I think this bill is overly ambitious. I think it's a shame Vermont was not able to try it out because that would be a wonderful little laboratory. Uh, they yeah. could experiment and fool around and then develop a model. The idea of a state-based model, though, has a very strong precedent, which is uh, Romney Care in Massachusetts being the model for the ACA. Uh, so it could work. It just makes more sense in a smaller state. And, Andy, I'm in reading some of the articles about this. Uh, it, it looks like, and you mentioned about you know the devil in the details, uh, part of this, as you said, the funding of this would come through in part a, a payroll tax increase, correct? And, and not a small one either. Well, the, the, the funding, I mean, the payroll tax was one possible model through which this might happen. Right. There certainly has been talking about different ways. You know, right, right now, if you look at California, we spend about $400 billion with a B uh, each year on uh, medical care. And uh, uh, as, as Rob points out, you know, there are different components that come uh, in, into that. So, you know, we have Medicare, we have our, our Medicaid program, which we call Medi-Cal, uh, the part that you would really need to replace in a single-payer system is really, you know, the assumption is, okay, maybe you can get either a change of federal statute or federal, get a federal waiver and be able to shift those Medicare and Medicaid dollars to come into the state. And that's a big if. Uh, we, we can come back and talk about that. Yeah. But in terms of new taxes, you, what you need to do is replace the employer-based contributions 
to uh, to health insurance, and that's estimated to be in the ballpark of about 125 billion of the 400 billion uh, in the state. And so we did look at different. Uh, ways of potentially doing that. If it was a payroll tax, uh, it was estimated by our legislative analyst office that it would be in the vicinity of about a 9% uh, payroll tax, uh, which um, probably comes in on average a bit higher than what uh, employers are currently contributing, although employers contribute different amounts depending on the age of their employees mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth. But uh, that, that's what that was estimated. There was also uh, some work done by our legislative analyst office looking at other potential ways to pay for this. For example, if we were to develop a new gross receipts tax, which would essentially tax every kind of part of the production uh, in making things, that would be about a 3% tax to be able to pay for this. So I think there are, as uh, Rob said, a lot of, uh, of the devils are in the details about uh, what that tax would look like and how you'd be able to support that. But the key is really how do you replace the amounts of monies that employers uh, are currently contributing toward their employees and do that in a way that doesn't blow up uh, your uh, state tax system. So think of the tax issue this way. Uh, the state is spending, say, $400 billion a year on health care. Some some people think it's a little bit less, but say it's $400 billion. And it's going to continue to spend $400 billion on health care. Yep. It's just going to come out of different pockets. Yep. So it may be a tax that uh, is politically difficult to implement or will burden different people. Uh, but in aggregate, uh, the same amount of money is going to be ponied up for health care. Uh, it's just a matter of how you distribute the, the payment for it. And the payment system now is not very equitable. Uh, a yeah. lot of it is, is hidden in our yeah. general tax revenue. A lot of it is in uh, premiums that, that employers and, and individuals pay. Uh, another piece that I haven't seen discussed in this is when the employer pays money on your behalf for health care, they get a tax break on that. Sure. And, and so do you. So that's lost revenue to, to the government. And that's an area that presumably would be uh, resolved uh, if we did it all in, in one big uh, bucket and, and distributed it differently. So you can call it a tax. Uh, it's really just trying to come up with a different and hopefully fairer way of allocating that $400 billion cost. I, I want to move for a second away from the, the finances behind this, Andy, and, and just talk about the medical side for this. When you have a, a, a program like this idea, like single payer, the coverages are are what? I, I mean, you're, we're talking about full coverage across the board for all the people for any health care issue that they may be dealing with? Well, you know, certainly the advocates, when they uh, talk about this, would love to, uh, you know, make that point that this can cover everything with no co-payments and, um, you know, life would be beautiful in every way. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, there are realities that at some yeah. point there's a fixed amount of money. Sure. And you have to decide ways of being able to control that. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think a lot of those details would be something that would have to be worked out. That is, what is the nature of the benefit package? What is the structure of uh, contributions that individuals may still have to make as co-payments or things like that? And as you touched on earlier, would there be truly a single-payer system in that uh, essentially the government was working from, say, like a fee schedule, the way our traditional Medicare um, has been, or would there still be a role for for health plans? And, uh, you know, that is something that was particularly talked about when the Assembly started to talk about some of these issues. Uh, And uh, uh, your other guest, Rob, really highlighted this, that in our Medicare fee-for-service program, it is a true single-payer program, 
but we also do have Medicare Advantage, which is when uh, uh, Medicare beneficiaries can elect to take their benefit and to move it into a health plan, say like a Kaiser, like we have here in California, where more than eight million mem- uh, uh, we have eight more than eight million members in Kaiser, including many uh, Medicare beneficiaries who uh, choose to do that, and uh, so that could still be a mechanism. I mean, uh, over 60% of our state is in different kinds of of managed care, and so uh, you would think that we might want to build from that kind of structure, even if we were to move towards something like unified public financing of care, how we collect the money, but maybe how we distribute it out could still perhaps uh, make use of health plans. Those are details that still have not really uh, been worked through yet. I want to pick up on Andy's point about the payment structure because the assumptions that I've seen are that this would continue to pay on a fee-for-service basis. So doctors and hospitals would get more the more they do. It's very difficult to control costs uh, under fee-for-service. You have to use a sledgehammer and just come up with a a very low fee schedule, which may drive doctors out of the state. Uh, What might help tremendously is if this plan allowed experimentation, allowed capitation and global payments for different kinds of services and um, value-based payments, uh, that could make a big difference. If they could implement that throughout California's 40 million inhabitants, uh, they could really make a difference. Well, Andy, going off something you were talking about a second ago, I I mean, I can see the the uproar that would probably come from people if they were, you know, paying 9% or whatever that number was, uh, payroll tax to fund all of this. And then they were paying the, the premiums on top of it. You know, you would, you would have quite a few riots, I would think, in the state of California with that. Yeah, well, the idea is not to be paying the premiums, but you could imagine, and, and I don't mean to get too far ahead of it, but you could imagine that, say, uh, you, you could take your uh, the value you're supposed to get from the single-payer system and then have some choices of different health plans that you could move into. And theoretically, you could have, okay, the uh, the basic health plan choices don't cost you anything additional right. to go into, but if you wanted a little bit more of a, uh, a luxury model of some sort that you might be uh, open to paying a little bit more on top of that uh, to be able to get a- access to that. Again, I don't, I don't None of this has in any way been detailed in any of the legislation that was moved uh, forward at this point. But I think those are concepts that one could imagine as a way of trying to, to structure this in different ways. But by doing that, then you're you're kind of going into the model that the Affordable Care Act has been seemingly in terms of the levels and what you pay, correct? Uh, yes, but there's another version of that model that has worked very well. And okay. you mentioned Medicare Advantage, which is uh, you can opt out of traditional Medicare and pick a private plan uh, through a kind of marketplace, and the government pays a heavy subsidy towards that. Uh, so we don't have the problems with affordability that the ACA has had. Uh, so it, right. it, it is the ACA model. It's actually a model that's used uh, in many different contexts. Um, it uh, does not have to be the kind of uh, open-ended marketplace where people are exposed to high premium increases. So, Andy, it doesn't sound like, because there are so many details that seemingly need to be worked out, even though this is a political issue right now and we've got, um, you know, elections coming up in the fall, it doesn't seem like any plan to bring this forward is very close. I mean, probably we're looking at least a year, maybe two years away from, you know, being able to even implement something like this if you get those details. 
Well, I think you know it's critical to point out that uh, as as much as a state and as large uh, would want to do this potentially on its own, and as big as a state as we are in California, there's no way to do this on your own. That so much of the money, if you're trying to pool it all together, flows through the hands of the federal government that you need to have a cooperative dance partner to be able to do this uh, as a state. Putting aside some of the other uh, challenges, yeah, you, I mean, if you want to bring Medicare dollars to a state, uh, if you want to uh, reallocate how the Medicaid dollars are used toward this, you're going to need permissions either in the form of waivers or, uh, in the case of Medicare, likely statute change that the Congress would have to make to be able to enable that. And, and you know, the current setup between the federal and state government doesn't seem that that's a likely um, thing that, that would happen. There are also some barriers within our own state that I don't want to um, belabor too much, but we have uh, certain constitutional uh, aspects of our government here in the state that if you were to try to raise new taxes, uh, that the default would be that those taxes, even if you said that they were for uh, moving toward like a single-payer system, would actually get diverted in part toward our education system or to other parts of our state budget because of rules about how new taxes have to be distributed uh, according to uh, historical allocations to different departments and so forth. So, yes, there's a lot of barriers, and I don't think there's any way to implement something like this uh, within you know the immediate term. That doesn't mean we couldn't, as a state, be working toward a process to try to accomplish this. And I think in some ways... That's what's being signaled here, that uh, we really should think about, are there efficiencies to be gained? What are the possibilities? What's the road ahead to do that? And and on a separate track, where we are having some pretty robust discussions about ways of building on the chassis of what we've currently done through the ACA to see if we could even further expand our coverage from 93% closer to 100%. Andy, you underestimate the uh, relationship between California and the federal government right now. It's not even that they're not dance partners. They're not even invited to the same dance at this point. <laughs> well, it's on many fronts, of course. I mean, health care is what we're talking about yeah. here today, but it's been true about immigration. It's true about the yep. environment. There's there are a lot of points of difference between where California is with regard to policies and what we're hearing from the federal government that would make it very uh, difficult for them to see eye to eye on this issue. Right. Yeah, there's another legal lo- roadblock, which is the ERISA law, which governs self-insured uh, self uh, employer health plans, mm-hmm. and that severely limits the ability of states uh, to pass regulations that affect uh, plans that the employer pays for. So it would probably require an act of Congress for them to fold employer plans into this. Um, And that probably wouldn't be happening anytime soon. And and that's not going to happen. That that may be even a a tougher push than than getting the Trump administration to be flexible. Um, Another political issue that they have is that if you look at the major health reforms over the last 50 years ago, so uh, Medicare, Medicaid, the ACA, they have provided coverage where it pretty much didn't exist. Sure. So for for the elderly, for the poor, uh, for those who couldn't get individual policies. And very important coverages for all these people, too. Absolutely essential. uh, But you're basically giving something with minimal disruption for people who already have coverage. This plan would have major disruption for people who already have coverage. It would take away what's more or less working uh, and fold you into a new system. Uh, So that's going to face a lot of resistance. Now, what would that, playing off of that, Andy, what would be the impact you see on the people of California in terms of making this, this drastic shift? 
Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's an excellent point, and it's a little hard to know for sure because we don't know what formulation it would come out as in terms of whether you would still make a choice of health plans versus truly going to this uh, fee-for-service single-payer pool as was envisioned with the SB 562 law. But I think the point is right on, which is if you've got 93% of the people who are getting coverage in some form, uh, for them, you know, uh, to give up that with some uncertainty about what they might be heading into does change the uh, the equation in their mind, uh, even if they have a very strong philosophical buy-in to the idea of, oh, we should have 100% of the people in the pool, uh, it does become uh, a more challenging uh, choice for them to sort of say, like, well, am I giving this up for some larger good of other people? Well, how yeah. will it affect me? And I think that's where uh, it would be uh, the kind of issue that could uh, start to make people wonder if this is uh, if it gives them the confidence to move forward uh, in the way that they might otherwise envision. So you remember when Obama said, if you like your current plan, you're going to be able to yeah. keep it. <laughs> famous and, statement. Uh, famous last words. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, that was true, but there were mm. a lot of examples where it wasn't. Right. Um, but he needed to do that to reassure people sure. that yeah. that you're safe. And the California law, you wouldn't be able to even say that much. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think that would be a real challenge. I would think, Andy, that, that with all of these kind of potential potholes that, that we have laid out here uh, over the last 20 minutes, minutes or so, right now, the, the health insurance industry probably doesn't have a whole lot of concerns because it doesn't seem like there's enough of a path to be able to do something like this right now. Well, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think on the one hand, they, they probably have, you know, seen some of this uh, kind of language uh, in, in the past and have, uh, you know, can anticipate some of the ways that it uh, uh, get, gets stymied or that, that there are a lot of hurdles to overcome. Having said that, you know, there is something we didn't talk about here so far today, but, uh, you know, the same energy uh, that has gone into thinking about do we need to move to a single-payer system has also rallied uh, uh, some of these forces where there's now quite a bit of open talk about things like rate regulation, for example, on uh, uh, payments uh, to, uh, to, to hospital providers and uh, different ways of getting involved in regulating uh, payments between uh, insurers and, and, and providers and so forth. So I think the environment is still uh, kind of a hotbed of activity where there's still fundamentally people are concerned like health care costs are going up dramatically more expensively at, you know, at a higher rate than other parts of our economy and a, you know, a strong sense still that this is not sustainable, particularly when we're not delivering on some of the health outcomes that you would hope to see improved as those ex- expenses are going up. So I, I don't know that they're completely feeling like they're, uh, they're out of the woods, whether you're a provider or an insurer. There's a lot of, uh, of reasons to question whether our system is really giving us the value, uh, given how much we're spending on it. Now, what California could do, which would be a much easier lift, is to develop a public option, uh, the piece that was left out of Obamacare because of the politics of getting it passed. And what that would do would be to say those who are buying an individual policy could buy it from a private insurance company or there would be a state-run fund, maybe a nonprofit, maybe a co-op, maybe just a government entity. That would be an alternative to that. Uh, It could be a first step towards single payer, but if not, then at least it takes care of a lot of people who are trying to get policies through the individual market and can't find one that's either affordable or has decent coverage. Yeah, that issue was looked at uh, by the Assembly, and it, it's certainly something that could be 
helpful in some of our more rural areas where there is not as much competition of health plans. But, you know, one thing that's unique in the California landscape, we've had pretty good competition among private plans in most of the uh, rating regions of our um, our marketplace, which we call Covered California here. And so, you know, most people in the state have three, four, five options already in uh, the uh, individual market. And so, uh, while the, the idea of a public option can sometimes be seen as a backdoor towards single payer, um, it may be a little bit different in our landscape where we have such robust competition among private insurers that it's not as clear that a public option might necessarily give us additional benefits, at least from a financial point of view, for our consumers. Yeah, I, that is true. California has one of the success stories in terms of the exchanges. Uh, it would be, though, a modest first step uh, that would allow them to kind of try out uh, the yeah. state being involved and and use that concept if it works. And kind of going back to something you said earlier, if you are going to try and at least consider this, you do need to have kind of a test ground, a proving ground. And you mentioned Vermont before. There probably are other smaller states where you could – maybe think about at least doing this for two, three, four, five years, whatever that that number is, to see what the impact actually is and maybe not have this overall massive impact like we would be talking about having in the state of California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you wanted to be a hero among the liberals and, and you were governor of a blue state uh, and you could get cooperation from the Trump administration, uh, if you can figure all that out, uh, I think it would be a big political win. Uh, Romney, actually, uh, not among current Republicans, but among many uh, health policy experts, uh, is a sort of a hero for implementing the Massachusetts plan. So it would be an opportunity to leave your mark. Great having you with us. Thank you, Rob. Great seeing you again. Andy, great to have you with us on the phone. Thank you for your insight. Oh, real pleasure. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.